Yeah, well, I collect myself. Uh, I just want to introduce myself. Hey, y'all. My name's Cameron. Uh, hey, I uh, get to serve as one of the, the campus pastors here with CCF. Um, thanks for being here tonight. It's, it's good to see all your faces. Um, I love this community, and I've been around it for over a decade now. It's real solid. I can tell you that from experience. Uh, I first joined CCF when I was a freshman here at Western, just like some of you. Uh, I live in the residence halls. Uh, I was a student leader on campus. I worked for the university. I was a CORFA. I spent time uh, with the homeless in town, mentoring children, caring for the elderly. I had tons of fun. Uh, it was awesome. And um, I even managed to graduate in the midst of all that. Uh, I got a double major in Spanish and human services with honors. Uh, so any human services or Spanish majors out there? Yeah? Yeah? Praise the Lord. Um, yeah, if you uh, don't want to buy your books anymore, want to borrow some, I kept all mine around to loan the students. So hit me up after the service um, if you need some of that. Um, yeah, and after I graduated, I did a 10-month uh, ministry training program called the CCF Internship. Yeah, if you haven't heard about it, ask someone. It's real great. Um, and uh, after that, I ended up uh, joining the, the pastoral staff team with CCF here at Western, um, and I'm now in my seventh year uh, as a campus pastor. Um, yeah, I'm just amazed uh, by the work that God's been doing, and uh, it's just so fun to get to work with him. Um, so yeah, I absolutely love this community. I love CCF. I've learned a ton about God here. Uh, I've made some of the best lifelong friends, uh, guys that were in my wedding, um, been around the world with students to serve Jesus, um, Nicaragua, Indonesia, Jordan, to name a few, baptized students, uh, some in the Jordan River, that was wild, uh, walked through hard times of death and suffering in students' lives, uh, walked through joyous times of renewal uh, and graduations, right? Um, I've lived in the houses full of students, lived at the home for five years, any home boys out there? Woo! Woo! Yeah, um, and uh, I've officiated weddings for students and about everything in between. So I love this community and just the life uh, that is here. Um, Jesus has really blessed this place. And a special bonus is that uh, I sort of met my wife through this community. Um, yeah, and I, I get to work with her, uh, which is so great. There are actually two Christians that are on staff. And if you don't know, the one that's my wife is the one that shares my last name. So that's Kristen Harris. Can I get a wave? Where are you at? Hey, dear. Yeah. She's wonderful. I hope you can meet her if you haven't already. Anyways, enough about me, though. Um, I'm so curious of y'all's story so far. Um, Like, how did you get here? What happened in your life to bring you to this place, to this community? So to kick off tonight, I'd like to ask uh, just a couple questions, if that's okay. And I'm going to need some group participation here. Okay, can we do that? Yes. I'm going to need some participation here. Can we do that? Yeah, yeah okay, there you go. We're doing it. That's good. Um, so first, I want you to think of someone um, maybe who invited you, told you about, or welcomed you into CCF. Was there a person like that? Who, who was it? <laughs> now, with a, <laughs> a show of hands, uh, just let me know if you thought of someone right then. Have you thought of someone? Wow. A lot of people are thinking about someone, okay? Um, yeah, and if you 
if you'd be willing to sh- just share, like shout out their name, just, just put your hand up. I want to hear who that was, if you want to be willing to share, yeah. Uh, that was Stevie. Woo! Stevie, what's up? Yeah, someone else? How about up here? Rachel Daly. Rachel Daly, come on. Yeah. Megan Parrish, come on now. Yeah. Jack Moore. Jack Moore, what? Joanna Martinez. Joanna Martinez, what? Come on. Yeah. It's also Stevie. It's also Stevie. Yeah, brother. Jeff. Jeff, yeah. John Bill. come on. Trent. Trent, yeah. Amanda Lawrence. Okay, this is good. We could go on for a while. I'm going to pause this right there. Thanks for sharing. Okay, so I have one more question then for you. Um, so I want you to think of who has helped you grow in your faith or understanding of God. Um, so just take a moment to see if you can think of someone. Okay, now I want you to raise your hands if you could think of someone that helped you grow in your understanding of the Lord. Okay? And leave your hands up if you want to share maybe that person's name with us. Yeah. Kate Lydon. Kate Lydon, yeah. Daniel Rapp. Come on now. Up here. Your dad. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Joey Kelly. Joey Kelly. What? Yeah. Daniel Broden. Daniel Broden. Yeah. Julie Sessions. Julie Sessions. Daniel Rapp. Daniel Rapp. How about up here? Your wife. My wife. Okay. That's good. How about up there? Gabe. Yeah. Brian Mooji. How about up here? Michelle. Okay. How about up here? Yeah. Sorry. I didn't see you guys before. Oh. <laughs> what? Stop it. Stop it. Okay. How about, Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, y'all, for, for participating and sharing there. Um, yeah. I hope you can see that the reality is that other people are very influential and even necessary in our pursuit of following Jesus, right? And so we're going to continue our series tonight that we've been going the last two weeks about following Jesus that Jeff was kicking off for us and preaching in. Um, and we're going to talk this week about community, Okay. Um, You see, a relationship with Jesus is not something we typically stumble into alone um, without others witnessing to us, encouraging us, or inviting us. It's also not something that is sustained or grows alone without other support, fellowship, teaching, or influence. For example, for me, my relationship with Jesus was first shaped um, by my parents regularly taking me to church. My grandparents' church was a predominantly African-American church in Portland where I grew up. Um, there's the choir there, there's my grandpa and my grandma up there, that's my family when we were younger, I look like a fool, but it's okay. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know what fashion was there, and I still don't, but it's all good. Um, yeah, so, so that's, that's where I, I came to know the Lord, I heard the gospel, and I, I accepted Christ and became a Christian, I was in that church. Um, then, like, we moved towards the end of elementary school, across the river to Vancouver, and the Lord provided some Christian friends, uh, one like Nick, who took me under the, his wing in middle school to pray with me, invite me to youth groups. Later, a public high school teacher, Greg Plitt, uh, mentored me in how to study the Bible and how to be a disciple. When I came to Western, some upperclassmen, Ryan and Brian, invited me to CCF at Western here to experience the fullness of living on mission with Jesus. Meanwhile, I landed in a solid uh, core group of guys who were kind of in the back of our fall retreat there, who were later dubbed the BT6, some of my best friends still to this day all in my wedding. Um, and they challenged me, held me accountable, and supported me as I navigated the difficulties of figuring out how to live uh, for Christ in my adult years, which I'm still living those years, right? 
Um, and all the while, there were pastors uh, like Shannon Kemp, uh, who went on mission trips with and taught me a lot about the Lord and faithfulness to him. Uh, James Jr., who mentored me as a student. Jaff, who was preaching the last two weeks, uh, who mentored me as an intern. And David, um, who has mentored me as a staff, uh, who have all like, come alongside me and helped me uh, know how to follow Jesus and how to help others follow Jesus. And like I mentioned before, I also have a wonderful wife now of two years, Kristen. Uh, yeah, who's a pastor at CCF here too. And she daily supports and encourages me as we follow and serve Jesus together. And it's amazing. So basically, I want to say our lives with Jesus are always interwoven with other people's lives who are trying to follow Jesus too. Our lives with Jesus are always interwoven with other people's lives that are trying to follow Jesus too. I bet you have a lot more stories, too, of that include others. Uh, you know, there's so many hands waved, and I didn't even get to hear all the people. But there's, there's so many others that have been involved in your life, and I'd love to hear your story. Um, but I doubt you all want to be here all night, so I don't get to share those. Um, so instead, we'll just look at some stories in the Bible for now. Is that okay with you all? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so tonight, we're going to talk about following Jesus' community. And from the very beginning of the Bible and all throughout... Uh, it's obvious that Christian community is always uh, both normal and essential to following Jesus. So let's jump right into some stories in the Bible uh, that I think emphasize these realities. If you have a Bible, you can open up uh, literally to the front, like one of the first pages, like page one or two, uh, to Genesis 2.18. You can also navigate in your app on your phone, or the word should be on the screen. You should read something like, The Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. In this passage, God just made the earth and everything in it. Yet, there weren't people, in the plural, in it yet. Just a singular person. So after determining that no animal or plant would really suffice to fill Adam's need for supportive community... God made a woman named Eve. He then prompted them to make more humans so that there'd be a whole human community on earth that would know and love God together. And I think we often take this passage to be about men and women, sex, marriage, and children. But if we just put those things together and look at the context of the story, I think we can see that it's really about companionship. It's about there being people who could help each other, who could help each other live with God. We were not made to be alone, but to be with others as we live before God. In fact, I, I was listening to some people and, and doing some research, and, and people that are left alone die. Babies that are left alone literally die. And it's not because they're like not fed or whatever. People can feed babies and change their diaper or whatever, but then leave them in their room by themselves all the rest of the time and have no affection, no company, and they'll just die. Because we're made to be together. We're made to not be alone. So now, let's fast forward to John chapter 1, verse 35. So we'll just go about like four-fifths of the way through your Bible uh, to John, which is the fourth book of the New Testament, um, if you need the scriptures. And we'll start in that first chapter on verse 35. And we'll end in verse 46. So it'll be John 1, 35. 46, and I have some helpers um, in this community that are going to 
We're going to help out with this text. Okay? So this account picks up right after a guy named John the Baptist identifies Jesus as the Son of God. And this is right when Jesus is about to start his formal ministry. So here we are now with Jesus on the scene. And as we read, I encourage you to notice the different characters in this story and the different pronouns that are used in the text. Okay? So let's start. The passage reads, The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, They said, Rabbi. which means teacher. <laughs> so they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Peter. Which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Aseda. Philip found Nathanael and told him, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. Awesome, let's give them a hand. Thanks, y'all. That was wonderful. So what we see here is Jesus beginning to recruit his squad of close followers that he'd do ministry with during his time on earth about 2,000 years ago. And these folks essentially became the very first Jesus followers, uh, who were later called Christians. Um, and many Bibles even have a, a heading. If you like, have a, a physical Bible in your hand, it's, it might have a little heading above the text that says something like, Jesus calls the first disciples. Um, but I want to label this passage, Jesus invites individuals to follow him together with his other disciples. I think this distinction is helpful and necessary for a few reasons. So let's look at how Jesus invites people to follow him together with his other disciples. Well, first, as you see in the story, Jesus invited people to follow him whom he knew by name and personally cared for. That was certainly true. Jesus was the main guy and was always very much involved in the process of, of people following him. But what is interesting, though, is that in this passage, these are not just solo invitations or disconnected from the influence of others. The first invitation he makes is to two people at once. And these first two disciples had started to follow Jesus together after John, their previous teacher, identified Jesus as the Lamb of God and began to rep him. Jesus then invited these two in by asking, what do you want? And welcomed them to come and see what he's all about and begin to follow him. Later, one of them named Andrew went and found his brother, Simon, who's later called Peter. Then Jesus personally invites a guy named Philip to follow him, who joins the squad of the three that were already following him. And Philip goes and gets his brother Nathaniel, 
whom he entices to come and see that Jesus is legit. In this short passage alone, we see five out of the 12 disciples begin to follow Jesus together. And I love how John narrates the story of Jesus' followers because his language is so precise and is so often in the plural. He repeatedly uses the plural they and them language. For example, he says such as, they followed Jesus, Jesus saw them following, they said, they spent the day with him. Most of Jesus' words here, and really throughout the Bible, are likewise in the plural. Though in our common use of English, this is not often clear. For example, when Jesus asks, what do you want? The you there is actually the plural form. Like you all or y'all, as my wife from Texas would say. (laughs) Y'all, right? It's the plural form of you, like you, multiple people. Um, That's why the two disciples together, both of them, immediately responded. They responded to Jesus. Now, this is not to say that Jesus doesn't individually speak to us, to individual people, particular people, or that he ignores our individuality to always defer to a group dynamic. For example, in the same passage, we see him directly addressing Simon, later named Peter, and Philip, right? But we got to notice, though, that still these conversations were in the midst of a community dynamic. Others were around. Others were listening in and were affected by Jesus' personal conversations with these particular people. Typically, our individual interactions with God are not just for us. They're not meant to affect us alone, but to influence others around us too. Our individual interactions with God are not just for us. Our personal relationship with God is interconnected in the midst of community with others. And we saw this play out clearly in the passage, right? Andrew's encounter with Jesus connects to his brother, Simon Peter, having an encounter in relation with Jesus. Likewise, Philip's response to follow Jesus leads to and is connected with his brother, Nathaniel, responding to Jesus. And really, the first two guys started following Jesus because John the Baptist's response to recognition of Jesus. All five of the guys' stories and lives moving forward here are semi-dependent on one another as Jesus leads them. Simply put, me following Jesus affects we following Jesus. And vice versa, we following Jesus affects me following Jesus. Me following Jesus affects we following Jesus. We following Jesus affects me following Jesus. For example, I went on a mission trip with CCF when I was a freshman uh, to California during spring break. Those are coming up, so get ready. Um, and on the trip, there was another freshman that was from my dorm that I didn't know very well and didn't really like personally at the time, <laughs> uh, named Jack. He wasn't super serious about following Jesus before, but he ended up really being challenged by the Lord that trip. And he was encouraged by others to trust the Lord in new ways. And I saw Jack that trip experience the Spirit of God in a way that I had never witnessed before. And I saw his life completely change in that week. And that led me to seek to connect with God in that way, to connect more deeply with his spirit. And, and that, that led to me being emboldened to be more outward and focused and, and missional in my faith, um, when before I was really pretty timid and shy. As Jack and I saw each other interact with God, uh, we ended up praying for each other, interacting more 
with one another, which led to us becoming really close friends through the course of just that week. And afterwards, we both stepped up to lead a small group, and we ended up being paired um, by the staff to lead the same small group in Mathis. Uh, we lived in what's now, I think, called the Treehouse or something. Sweet room in Mathis. Um, and one of the guys uh, from our small group that year was a freshman named Nate, who I got to meet with and mentor that year. And, and then Nate grew substantially in his faith because I was bold to be outward-focused in my faith because Jack had experienced a time with the Lord that, that transformed his faith. And so Nate grew in his faith and ended up becoming a campus pastor at Central Washington University. So he's there. There's that little circle there. Um, yeah, this is what happens when we don't just privately engage with Jesus, but we process our journey with Jesus with others. I mean, can you imagine what would happen if Andrew or Philip met Jesus and then they were like, hmm, sweet, Jesus is cool. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I'm just going to have a real private and personal relationship with Jesus. That's going to be it. Imagine if they had that attitude, that attitude, and they didn't talk about their experience with their brothers or with their friends or with others along the way. They didn't invite anyone into that. They didn't interact with each other or the other disciples that started to follow Jesus. The history of Christianity would be so different. The 12 disciples really wouldn't have formed. They're known as the 12 disciples. Their names are listed a couple times, but they're known as the 12 disciples, right? They're a group. And think of how awkward it would have been if people were following Jesus, but they were ignoring each other as they traveled along the way. Like he has this whole like squad with them and they never talk to each other. And they all just have like just one-on-one time with Jesus privately. And then, okay, it's your turn. Okay. Like, that would be so weird. It would have been disastrous, actually. And worse is that if that had happened, we probably wouldn't know Jesus today. Because the personal stories of him are from people who encountered him that shared those with others. Those things about Jesus that we know wouldn't have been written and passed down to us. That's literally what the Bible is right? Just, just think of what we read. The Gospels, books in the Bible that tell us most about Jesus, are literally accounts written by people who were with Jesus and shared what they observed or experienced with us, or wrote about what was shared with them from people who were firsthand with Jesus. So if they kept it all to themselves, we, we just wouldn't have the New Testament. We wouldn't have gotten to read that. We, we'd be pretty clueless. That would be pretty awful to God's mission. <laughs> um, so yeah, so if you're ever like me sometimes and you're reading your Bible and you're tempted to think like, oh, this is great, this is it. I just need to like read my Bible and personally connect with Jesus and do my thing and that's fine. Just remember how ironic it is to read a book that's literally transmitted through others to you that are sharing their experiences with Jesus with you, but then you're experiencing time with Jesus and new insights and stuff, but you don't want to share that with those around you. But, you know, I feel like that, that's pretty normal in our culture, right? Like, I feel like we live in a, in a pretty hyper-individualistic modern culture today where the focus is supposed to be on us, right? It's supposed to be on me. It's about me. So it's pretty countercultural to live this way. I think we're pressured to feel like Christianity should just boil down to me and Jesus, 
and that we don't need to have connections with others in our faith, or that we're, uh, we're not responsible for others' experience of Christianity. I think some aspects of the, uh, of the dominant American uh, perspective really make this hard for us, right? Like, independence is to be fought for. It's like the history of our nation. Individual, individuality and self-determination are seen as ideal, and competition is to be expected. And self-help books are rampant. You don't ask for help for other people. Just help yourself, right? Google that. And that's what we do. We have, like, personal smartphones in our pockets that, that we can look up pretty much anything to try to figure out things, to try to solve our own problems, to try to help ourselves grow um, while we conveniently filter out other people's problems and what's happening in other people's lives sometimes. It can be pretty rough. I think it takes real strength and intentionality to connect with others and to follow God together. So way to go. Y'all are here, right? You're making some of that effort. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here a little bit. Because maybe it was really hard to show up tonight. Maybe you've been sick all week. Maybe you're just tired. Maybe you have like some homework that's starting to stack up that you're like, ah, I could spend tonight doing that. You know, maybe... It was inconvenient to take the bus here or to get out of your residence hall and walk through what's now really cold (laughs) to get here. Maybe you could have easily relaxed at home and watched some Netflix. And no one would have blamed you probably around you because they'd be doing the same thing. (laughs) But you're here, though, and that's worth celebrating. Yeah, that's worth celebrating. Praise the Lord. Yeah. I celebrate you all. So keep on it. This is good. This is a part of living that way, is coming together to listen to God's word together, to worship together, to be around each other. It's important. But maybe you're, you're still asking, like, ah, is it really worth it? Like, does it really matter? I mean, this is fun. I'm here. It's, you know, but should I come next week? You know, like, does it make a difference? And I want you to hear from God that it certainly does. We are each so important and necessary together to be who God corporately intends for us to be. We're so important and necessary together to be who God corporately wants us to be. The Bible uses the metaphor of the people of God being like a body in 1 Corinthians 12. The author writes in verse 27, now you are the body, each one of you is a part of it. We also uh, see it in verse 21, um, say that uh, we're interconnected, and each part needs the other while it's needed by the other. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. In other words, we need you. We need each other. If you're not here or we're not together, then we are dismembered body parts, and Jesus will have a mangled body. Surely we don't want Jesus to look at his body and only see scattered body parts, right? That'd be pretty disturbing. (laughs) It'd be like that. And I also don't think that we want to be one of an assortment of pieces scattered around. That doesn't feel good. But when we are all together and connected, though, each 
part is put in its proper place, we can easily recognize ourselves and others, and we can more easily recognize God, the whole. And we are strong and healthy then. So if you're ever tempted to think, no one really cares if I meet with them one-on-one, it doesn't really matter if I'm part of a small group or a member of a church, it doesn't do anything for me to pray for others or share what God is doing in my life with them. I don't know if I really have a purpose, full part in what God is up to around here. Please be encouraged to know that, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. That's verbatim from the scripture. 1 Corinthians twelve eighteen. So you are valuable here. You have a particular place, exactly where God wants you to be, that's in his whole body. You have a place in God's community. And you see, God has already done everything necessary to integrate us into a fully intact and functioning body, which is amazing. We don't, we don't have to make that happen. In fact, Jesus sacrificed his physical body so that you and I could be together a part of his spiritual body. Jesus sacrificed his physical body, so that we could be together to be his spiritual body. Think of it. Jesus' body was literally mangled and bloodied on the cross. And that was so that us, as his spiritual body, could be whole and healthy together. Jesus cares that much about Christian community. And I wonder, do we? Because all we have to do is choose to accept what he's done to bring us together from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, social economic classes, different cities. He's done all the work to redeem us and to bring us into his family and to bring us together so we could take our part in him. And we simply just get to enjoy the health and the blessing of the body of Christ as we participate together as his people. Praise the Lord. It's good news. So let's talk a little bit about how do we do that? How do we connect meaningfully in Christ's body together with others for the sake of God, others, and ourselves? Let's look at a couple of simple ways to start. First, just like Jesus' original disciples followed Jesus together in a small, close-knit group, there are 12, right? We should seek to regularly and relationally pursue Jesus with a small group of believers. This small group should personally know you, and you should personally know them. They should be trying to follow Jesus in a similar locale, way, or focus as you. This is so that you can share regular um, life moments and experiences with them, and you can be easily accessible to one another throughout your daily journey of faith. And during college, we have small groups called cores that can serve as, as one of these types of communities. They meet in places around where you live or areas or identities that you're focused around during your time here at Western. If you haven't gotten to connect with one yet, you can ask anyone about them. You can fill out the card, put in the offering, give it to the back table. Because um, we don't want anyone to miss out on this, whether you're a new Christian, a long-term Christian, or someone who's not a Christian at all, a chorus for you. That small group, uh, tight-knit community uh, is important. And these are really important so that you can follow Jesus uh, with people right where you're at, accessible to you, and vice versa. 
um, that you could be supported by them and, and support these kind of people as you continue in your adult life and through um, different experiences. And the keys to this good small group are consistency and participation. Consistency and participation. Showing up regularly and not missing unless there's absolutely no way around it is important because when you're in a small group, you're matter, you matter and your presence counts. People are actually affected if you're there or not. It goes from like a group discussion to like, oh, it's two people. <laughs> okay, that's a lot of perspective there. Um, they'll miss you if you're not there and they'll be excited and grateful if you are there because you add something to the group simply by being there and by opening your mouth. I uh, wrestled with this literally last night. I'm in a small group at Hillcrest. That is amazing. I love to be with them. Older adults through different life stages. Just saints. Like They're really wonderful, the things that they do and the way they love Jesus. Um, And, you know, I'm sometimes super tired and feel super busy. And yesterday was one of those times. Like, I woke up literally at 5.30. I went to a prayer meeting that morning at 6.30. And I was working and doing stuff and with students until 6.30 p.m. And my small group's at 7. And I was like, My wife wasn't feeling well that night, so I was like, I should probably go home and, like, see how she is. But, you know, we texted, and she's like, oh, I'll be okay. You should go to the small group. And I was like, huh? And uh, <laughs> I haven't really eaten any food. Like, I got, like, a some hors d'oeuvre or something at the MCC grand opening. That was, that was nice. But, uh, but I'm literally preaching a sermon on community tomorrow. <laughs> and I know, because God spoke to me this, it matters if I'm there. So I went. Yeah, praise the Lord. And you know, it was good. It's always good. I never go to small group and I'm like, oh man, that's, that was lame. Why did I go? Um, but sometimes I like, don't go, right? Because you're like, ah. Uh. And, and it was a smaller group because some other people had been traveling, like they were out of town and stuff. And, um, and it would have definitely been noticed if I wasn't there. Because there was like six of us now, and our small group's usually over like a dozen and it was great discussion and conversation, and we got to pray for each other, and it was really encouraging. Um, but I had to wrestle with that, right? And we all have to wrestle with that. It's not easy to show up sometimes. And then when we come, like, we have to try to participate by actively listening, joining in the conversation, praying, asking people how they are, maybe sometimes bringing a snack, um, lots of ways that we can engage in our small groups. And when everyone shows up consistently and participates fully, deep, meaningful, and life-giving groups develop and ministry happens. And, you know, this, this idea, you know, maybe you're not a Christian and you're sitting here and you're like, okay, that's cool, you know, but how does this apply to me? Like, this idea isn't like a Christian idea only. Like small groups are important to human life and flourishing. That's why study groups exist, right? That's why support groups like the AA exist. That's why sports teams are helpful and often a place of of real community and life and support for people. So small groups, it's one way that we connect in community. Another way we see Jesus' original disciples follow him together is in one-on-one relationships. 
They helped one another follow Jesus person to person. For example, we saw Andrew took special interest and responsibility in making sure Simon, later named Peter, got connected to Jesus and grew in him. We see many other examples of special mentoring relationships, like Paul and Timothy, and other person-to-person ministry throughout the Bible as well. So we should all seek to connect one-on-one with other believers to encourage them and to be supported by each other. During your time here at Western, we encourage you to get together one-on-one with other believers, especially those in your core, but not limited to that. You can grab lunch literally with anyone else that's here on a Friday night. Um, You could talk with a campus pastor one-on-one. You can hang out and and share life with someone in in your region or in your core to learn from them, to share a word that the Lord has given you, maybe put in your heart for them or for others in our community, to pray with each other, um, to ask questions in a personal way tailored to each individual. Those type of things can happen in the one-on-one relationship. And this isn't really just a Christian thing either, right? Anyone uh, is invited to meet and build one-on-one relationships in our community um, with others. And this is like a basis for human friendship, right? One-on-one relationships. That's how you develop friendship. Um, And I think a primary way of experiencing kind of the richness and some of the depth of those kind of one-on-one relationships here in college is to meet with your small group facilitator, your CORFA, who may want to meet with you weekly to get to know you, to individually interact, engage in your life and your process of faith and vice versa, um, and support each other in specific areas that are maybe unique to your life. Um, And so if you haven't talked to them to do that yet, or you're not meeting with them, you could could say something to them, like, hey, let's do this one-on-one thing. Um, And I acknowledge, like, sometimes it can be weird, it can feel uncomfortable, um, to have this kind of intentional peer relationship, right? Um, but I really want to challenge you that it's, it's worth giving a try. It's worth investing in um, to, to try to live life with someone that way. And lastly, we see that the 12 disciples gathered with many others in large groups throughout the New Testament. This is especially true in the book of Acts. If you read the book of Acts, you're like, what? 3,000 people just popping up in here? They're all meeting together. These crowds of people, they're crying as Paul's going, sailing somewhere. Like, what's with all these, these large groups? Um, and the large group is kind of like what we often think about as the church, right? Because the book of Acts is about the formation of the church, the beginning of the church. So it makes sense that it talks about all these large groups. And these large groups give us the basis to meet corporately together, um, to worship God hear his word, be encouraged, and minister all together. And in college, that looks just like tonight, right? Friday Night Fellowship, this service is an example of a large group um, form of community, Jesus community. A Sunday morning church service is another example um, that you can engage in both now and uh, for the rest of your life outside of college. And, And the value is that having this kind of space to connect with other believers at large worship the Lord, and hear the Bible preached, not only brings glory to God, but it keeps us better aligned as Christ's body. Imagine you have different muscles in your arm that you, like, work together, you know, like right here, I'm just, you know, doing this all day. Um, But they never actually worked in concert with your shoulder or, like, the muscles of your back. You'd be jacked up. (laughs) 
right? Like, your body would be messed up. You'd be all out of sync and lopsided. Your arm would be, like, kind of doing its own thing and super strong over here, but kind of, like, falling off the side of your body or something because the other muscles couldn't support it because they're like, we weren't doing any of that exercise with you. Like, (laughs) what are you doing that for? It would be really ineffective. And so it is in Christ's body. And we want to avoid this by hearing from God together in large assemblies. As God speaks to large groups of believers at one time, and they share an experience of worship and fellowship together, the different subparts can stay aligned together in good theology, practice, and vision. The power and influence of large group gatherings is not just reserved for Christians either, though, right? This is like a human reality. Let's be honest. Things like concerts, sports games, demonstrations, and festivals are real profound experiences. Why do you think tens of thousands of people show up for the Super Bowl or big concerts or big protests in the street? There's a real power to gathering together at large. So for even someone that doesn't call themselves a Christian, you can see that, that being a part of a large group will shape you um, and that you add to that. And so really... Um, it's important to think of what type of large groups you'll be a part of, right? What kinds of things are, are you influencing and help shape, and what, what big things are shaping you? So pretty much large groups, small groups, and one-on-one dynamics are all three necessary dynamics uh, to experience what God wants us to in and through his body. They are the basic venues for healthy human life. And there are multiple ways of gathering um, that is important for us, not just individually, but for the body of Christ as a whole, that we should keep in mind and keep in practice. As Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another And all the more as you see the day approaching. So to wrap up tonight, I'd like us to respond by just reflecting on one question. The question is, what is Jesus saying to you tonight about following him in community? What is Jesus saying to you about following him in community? For some of you, he might be saying, hey, get in a core. Or respond to your core fit to do a one-on-one with them. Or just keep coming to Friday nights. This is good. To others, you may be saying, hey, well done. I know this is so hard. Don't give up being intentional. To some of you might be saying, hey, you're engaged in all these, these structures. You, you, you go to core. You're in one-on-ones. You meet in large groups. Um, but let's get deeper. Let's be more vulnerable. Maybe you share some of your real doubts that you have with people as you meet with them one-on-one. Or you confess to people your struggles or your sins Ask, for, ask questions in core. Ask for help with things. Tell someone something encouraging. Offer to pray for others. Share a word on Friday night to encourage the large group. Share your testimony. Offer your gifts of, of music or technology or art or dance to the community. Invite others to follow Jesus with you. So I'm not the Holy Spirit, so I'm not going to give any more listing of things, but I want you to just take a moment and, and pause, maybe a one or two minutes, and just let the Holy Spirit speak to you if there's something of, of how, um, 
how can you follow him in community? How does he want you to follow you, him in community? And maybe you're not a Christian, and maybe God's still speaking to you. I encourage you, I challenge you to, to listen to him, to respond. And maybe you don't feel like he is, and that's fine. You can just think about ways that you can engage in community better in general, whether that be your family, study groups, clubs, in your res hall, your friend group. Um, but I'd like everyone to just take a minute to think about, um, yeah, how can you better follow Jesus in community or, or better engage in community? And uh, the worship team will come up and play for the next couple of minutes um, if they want to make their way up. And I'll just, yeah, invite you to take a minute and just think and, and write. And then when you're done, maybe you can turn to a neighbor because it's about community, right? <laughs> and share, you know, hey, I want to, I feel like Jesus is leading me to follow him in community this way. And you could pray with them if you're comfortable. Um, or just introduce yourself to the person next to you um, and say hi to them. That'd be a good step if you're not comfortable with any of that. So how about we do that? And then I'll come back up in a couple of minutes and, and pray with us. So great.